0: The introduction. It's on page 17. You'll find some encouraging words in the beginning. Different people who know Dr. Tim Hill. Uh, Some of you know. Do you know anybody? uh, Do all of you know who L. S. Sexton is? Pastor Sexton, our friend from Detroit. Uh, uh, L. S. sent me a a. uh, a uh, note on Facebook. He's one of my Facebook friends, you know, my many friends. <laughs> but anyway, he sent me a note on Facebook, and uh, you know, and I, I consider him a spiritual father, in a sense, more like a Mordecai. Uh, he's not there all the time. I didn't sit. He was never my pastor in real life. But as ministers, he was able to, kind of help guide me and and do some some interference, <laughs> run some interference for me to help me get my ministry started in Detroit. And so he was one of those uh, individuals that always would have me come preach for him. He always would encourage me in, in what I was doing and always highly respected me and I respected him. And so when people have helped you your life like that, uh, you owe them respect. And so I've always respected whatever he told and suggested and it hasn't been many times that he would just you know suggest something to me or recommend something but uh this time when he recommended this book i said this is what i'm looking for i didn't even pray about it and think about it i said i'll get the book and you know because of when you when you have that kind of relationship with people they don't take advantage of uh what they know about you and they're not in it for self and they're not trying to Guide your ministry the way theirs is. They just are obeying God on your behalf. Because I was thinking about what God wanted to minister to us uh, coming up to the conference. And I know that there were some crucial things that, that we needed to receive from God to add to what he's already been telling us he's going to do. And so I knew that God was coming with a, a, a transforming and healing um, move in individuals lives in our hearts if we would receive what he was doing God was going to come in and do some work in his bride that we've never seen done before personally and it was to get us equipped so that we could be in time uh, harvesters for him and work for him and one of the things that was kind of a great area was What's the other piece? We, we know we're here to work for God, but more or less, what's in it for us? You understand what I'm saying? It's, yeah. what's, what's the other piece? How are you going to make the provision? How are you going to help us to get all of the things set in order that we need to have set in order? What can we expect help-wise from you, God? For the natural component that we need to pull this all together so that we can really be free to go ahead and work for God. And so when I got this Amos paradigm, I said, well, that's Amos. I remember that. I, said, I remember Pastor Shirley liking Amos a lot, you know, and I remember that much about it. And when I received it, it it was the final piece that put everything together for the message that God would have me bring um, next week. Oh, Lord, have mercy. Next week, all right. But anyway, I was very happy to receive the rest of it because, you know, and it, and it's like God to do that because it's to me, it's refreshing for me not to have to have all the answers right there and not have to pull for everything. And so when God begins to put things together for you supernaturally, um, it's a blessing and it's a relief Because every year at the beginning of the year, I try to get direction from God and nothing was really coming together. I was getting a message, but I didn't get like the prophecy, the word from the Lord. But I'm finding that the word is coming from different people. You see what I'm saying? Different vessels are coming with portions of it, which is unusual kind of for me, even though the words that he's given us in the past have been for us. They've been accurate. They've been true. God's followed through on what He's done for us. I think if, if you don't understand anything, you understand that you are totally, to be totally devoted to God, that He comes first, that we're very precious to Him like a bride to a bridegroom. And, and to be honest with you, I don't think anybody's had like the kind of wedding. That we would like to have had in the natural. I know I didn't. And, and you know what I'm saying. You just jump the broom, you know, go down to City Hall, you know, sometimes we get married in the Lord and all that kind of stuff. But it's never the perfect because you don't have the perfect bride and you don't have the perfect groom if you got natural, natural, uh, people involved. And so there's got to be a higher, idea for this idea of marriage and so we know that it's a mystery and but it's likened it's similar our marriage is similar to the relationship that Christ has with the church yeah. similar not the same yeah. it's a shadow not the substance yeah. it's it's a yeah. an imitation not the reality yeah. your natural marriage will never exceed Your relationship with Christ that's it's got to come out of that and you've got to see yourself as being precious to the Lord and being valuable to the Lord to be highly valued to God it's so much so that he considers you to be his glory you are the outshining of Jesus Christ while you're here on earth and we have to understand that about ourselves how precious we are to the Lord. I don't care what kind of natural marriage you had. You know, you might have a, a what you consider to be a good marriage. Some are better than others. Some are good some of the time. Not so good some of the time. There are ups and downs because we're human. We're we're in in you know we're earthen vessels. And so we have to understand that the best that we can conjure up in our minds as far as a relationship of a husband to a wife or a bride to a groom will not come close to what God has prepared for us the way he views us the way he sees us you understand me he wants the best for us in all areas he wants the the grandest things for us. He wants a big splash made about us. That's why he's coming to receive his church out of the earth. The sky is gonna crack open. I mean, I know we have our runners that we run down the aisle and all that kind of stuff and the little flower petals. But y'all ain't seen nothing like that's gonna happen when Huh? Somebody'll be trying to, to to plot to take your job and you'll just disappear. You understand? They'll be left down here with the rubble and the you know whatever is left when the church is taken out of the earth it'll be a tough 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 life after that because when we go we take jesus with us and the holy ghost so they'll do earth is going to have to struggle without the power of god down here in the earth and so it's going to be glorious there will be a trumpet that'll sound and i don't know if it'll be audible to the natural ear or just a spiritual where everybody who is in Christ will get up and just get lifted up out of where they are are at you know if there's some sinner who's trying to make a decision you tell them you know what I just heard something and I gotta go so I'm telling you you may not have time to decide you probably should decide it years ago but I'm out of here you understand me and so we will we will the Lord will crack the sky and meet us in the air just like the bride the hebrew uh, bride and groom did the the uh, bride didn't know the hour when the groom was coming you got me in our culture women run everything as far as the wedding is concerned we even got a thing called bridezilla you know where they get so wound up about this one day that they tear up everything cuss everybody out Pull everybody's hair out at the beauty shop and tear everything up just because they want all the attention focused on them for one day. You got me? Well, in the Hebrew culture, the bride sat in anticipation of when the groom would come. And you never knew the exact hour when he would show up, but he would go and get the bridal party. And all of the guests and they would walk down the street and and somebody would come and announce and say the bridegroom cometh. And so she was was already adorned. With gifts from the groom and the groom's family before he even got there. You know, she was, she was uh, like Esther. She was a year being purified. She was being, her skin was being cleansed to remove blemishes. Her, her skin was spotless. Her hair was perfect. Her dress was perfect. Everything was perfect. And the groom would come and he would lay, lay the final adornment on her before she went to receive Him. And that's where we're at now in the earth. The final adornment is coming to us as the bride of Christ. The final anointing, the final glory, the final crowning of God's people. And I'm telling you, you've got to see yourself doing this. You can't like say this, oh, that's nice and that's fine. Uh, let me know when I get home from work. You understand? Well, you can't have work on your mind and money on your mind and, you know, and participate it's just not going to work like that you have to be given totally over to the Lord you have to be you have to be totally sold out he knows you got a job he knows you got a family he knows you got to cook dinner he knows all of that but he wants your heart totally given over to your real purpose down here on the earth your real purpose is not to go work for somebody and to have a house this house is going to leave here Just like you are. Everything down here is going to perish one day. And so you have to have yourself focused on what's really, really important. And you got to really tap into your identity in Christ and in God to know what's going to happen. The anointing will be such that you won't have to labor to help people. All you have to do is have a heart like Jesus has to love people and help people. Love them too much to leave them in the condition that you find them in. Got me? We won't be sitting up criticizing uh, people that are, are because they're sinners and this is what they do you won't have a heart like that anymore you'll have a heart to understand that people are trapped in the devil's hell and it's your job to get them out it's not your it's not an option for you you can't pass people by who need help and it's your job to do something about those individuals here's a a, a gentleman uh, I saw him on Facebook, and he just kind of intrigued me. And I asked him, he, he, uh, he calls himself Ambassador. And he was over in Dubai. And uh, I looked at the picture. I said, what are you doing over there, man of God? You know, we just friend each other, and sometimes they pop up on there, and they're doing something. You get curious about it. And I said, what are you doing over there, man of God? He said, well, I, I came over here to pray for a friend of mine. Buy an expensive plane ticket to a dangerous country. I mean, the Middle East is dangerous. I don't care where you go. Amen. And he went over there to pray for someone, Amen. not to do a meeting. Not I said, are you going to do any preaching? <laughs> well, you know, Mom, you know, I'm, you know, God will get you smart eventually. Yeah. It's just as important for you to pray for one person yeah. as it is to go and, and yeah. preach to a stadium full of people. And I told him, I said, well, I said, you know, uh, um," I said, tell me something about, you know, your friend. He wanted to chat and he was very open and, you know, all this kind of stuff. And so I just felt the Lord We'll pray for him while he travels, you know, and stuff like that. And I put his name down and everything. So I chatted back with him and he said, yeah, he said he's been prayed for by some of the largest ministers ever, he said. And he's not any better. And he said, "Yeah, he's he can't sleep. He's tormented. He has a lot of difficulty." He said, "So the Lord sent me here to pray for him. Been prayed for by everybody. God cares enough about that man to send a person halfway around the world. He went from London, England, to Dubai, which is over in the Middle East." And God sent him there to pray for this gentleman. And I asked him, I said, well, how's your friend doing? And I said, I added him to a prayer list I have for, for he said, oh, would you please pray for him? I so appreciate it. I just, you know, I need, you know, God raised you up to help me and, you know, that kind of stuff. And I'm so, so pleased that God would think that much of what I'm doing too. you know. So I talked to him a couple of times. He said, oh, this guy's much better now. He's much better. See, God knows who to send where. You understand what I'm saying? And it'll be like that. It'll be like that because God trusts his bride. Just like a good husband trusts a good wife. The Lord Jesus Christ trusts us. And he doesn't care who needs help, how far they are away. And and when, when he sends you to do something, you need to understand you are the best qualified person to do it. That one man was the best qualified person to pray for that gentleman. And he's doing much better. And so I I caught up with our little friend today and asked him. I forget where he said he was, but he's somewhere over somewhere. He just keeps hopping from plane to plane to plane. And he said, yeah, I'll be back in my home church in London, England. He's from Chicago. But he pastors a church in London, England. He's got a friend in Dubai you understand what I'm saying? So God doesn't care. He, he's raising up a people who are just that obedient to him. Just that in love with God and what he wants them to do. That they'll do anything and it, there's no expense. There's no inconvenience too great. They'll just do what they need to do to obey God. And it's so wonderful to see people like that who are living that out every day. And to be a part of what they're doing so that your heart can get knit with people who have that large of a a vision of their worldview, sees them as being ambassadors going wherever God wants them to go and doing whatever God wants them to do. And know that they're equipped and anointed to do it. You don't, you know, wonder if you're the right one or anything. You are the right one. You're the one God told to go, so you're the right one. Amen? And so it'll be that kind of life for us, that kind of obedient life in God. You know, people think that our ministry is very, still we look like we're, we're we're crazy people or something's wrong with us. Well, why do you have to go out of town? You know, that's the first thing people want to know. Well, why do you travel so much? Why do you do this? Why do you do that? Because God says so. You know, he says so. He says so he says so you don't know what he's doing in the atmosphere over toledo when we come here once a month you don't know what god's doing in the atmosphere over cleveland when we pray there once you don't know what he's doing but you know you must do what god what the master tells you to do you can't get any vision about doing this and doing that unless god's heart's in it and he's told you to do it and he's equipped you to do it. So the obedient bride is sitting at the feet of the master waiting for instructions right. for when to get up, what to do, when to do it, where to do everything. But you know that you please God and your heart's desire is to please God. And that's the one thing is foremost in your heart, and your mind that you please God. You please God. You, you've done a lifetime of good things. You understand what I'm saying? If your testimony is that you please God, you've done a lifetime of work. I don't care what it is, that you know, how small, how big, what you think, how long you worked for God, when you got saved and, and all that. Don't 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 lament the past. You're here for such a time as this. This is your time. You got me. This is this is your time to do what it is that God wants you to do. So if you'll turn to page 17, <clears throat> We'll get started on the introduction, the dawning of the Amos paradigm. I'm bringing you into your Amos, your Amos 913 season. That's what you need to know. It's your Amos. So you need to own this. First of all, you need to own it as yours. And that's why we're going through the book and we're going to let you take your time to meditate these things out, to embrace them. To see yourself in it 100%. See yourself doing the obedience. And see yourself reaping the reward. Amen. You've got to see yourself both ways. Because many people. What we've been taught as, as God's people is is we've been living off of fragments. Actually the crumbs from from the father's table to be honest with you. Because we never <clears throat> let's see what I can help you to understand the difference when you when you come to dine with somebody, you come to sit at the table with someone, you share a meal with someone, especially a covenant meal. and when god when God says that he's preparing a table or comes up with me and uses terms like that, he is talking about, being in the counsel of God, not just a meal, but it's the counsel of God. You're in the mind of God. You're in the understanding of God. You're in the revelation of God. It's more than just, you know, feeding your belly. So the covenant meal really is what happens usually with a meal was when there were covenants, people in covenant together, they would discuss things during the meal time. The terms of the covenant were discussed. What I will do for you as your brother and your father and what you must do in order to show us that you believe that, that your part is, is something that you must do in order to affect our health in your life. So there is always a, a, an obedience on the part of the lesser to be blessed by the better. So the person who had all the goods had to to make sure the goods were being invested properly and invested wisely. If you're a king and you have a, a large kingdom, you're not going to give it to somebody who doesn't value it. And so the obedience that's required for us to receive God's favor and God's blessing. Is our investment, it's our good faith investment in what he is going to return to us to prove to him that we feel that what he is doing for us is of value. David says, I will not offer to God that which costs me nothing. So it's, it's, it is a, it's a covenant understanding. That when somebody wants to bless your life, you must be able to show that individual that you value what they are returning to you and you invest a token. Amen? Into the, the situation or into their hands or into their care. For instance, when we, when we look, read in the Bible and you see God says, if you will bring the tithe, that's a tenth. That's a token of what you have. A tenth of what you have is is a very small percentage, to be honest with you. Uh, it, you can't you can't have you can't have a real covenant. You can't have a real relationship if there's no no investment on your part. That's why welfare never works. That's why people hate welfare. That's why they're they're eager to get off welfare. Because it never works because it never honors the person who is receiving your giving honors, gives you honor and gives you place in in the kingdom. It's your investment into your future so that you're not there just getting a free ride. The Bible says that if you you are blessed, you prosper by the work of your hands. You must set your hand to something in order to prosper. People who don't work don't really believe in prosperity because that's the first offering that you give is is your time, your effort, the work of your hands. So if you're not willing to work, you don't ever you don't even believe the first principle about God and prospering. You understand what I'm saying? You're defeated before you even get started. And so you must set your hand to something in order to expect a return back. Your faith must work in this. Your faith is an action. It's not just words and sitting up and saying, we're going to have this one day and that one day. That never happens. You have to get up and put some feet to your faith, some hands to your faith, some motion to your words. You have to act them out. And so when you are in covenant with someone, if you're sitting at a table and you're dining with that person in covenant, you are finding out what your investment is in the relationship so that you can fully expect a return. Covenant is always conditional upon the the recipient making some investment of obedience, of time, of effort, of faith, That's you have to have some connection into the return before the return can come to you. Other than that, the returns just out there, it will never be gathered by you because it doesn't know where to deposit itself. So your investment comes by your faith and your actions and your activities. So you sow your seed. That's what we say. You sow your seed, you put your seed in there, you get it in the ground and all of this kind of stuff. Because that is connected to you and the return comes back to you. If there's never any sowing on your part, a return might come up from your words, but it'll never come back to you because there's no real investment, no faith investment on your part, no 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 activity on your part for it to come through for you. And so when we see these things and we understand these things, when you come in to sup and to dine with the Lord, you come to the table of God to receive everything that the master can share with you. You need revelation. You need understanding. You need wisdom. You need uh, encouragement. You need love and relationship. You need reassurance. You need all of these things. All of these things are, are, take place around the covenant meal, around him supping with you, having fellowship, communion with you. Families are broken down because everybody goes to the drive through to eat. You know, we don't have a set time and mom's glad we don't she don't have to cook tonight and everybody can go their separate ways but it's more than just feeding your belly it's the the relationship that comes in a family setting it's the counsel that you you have with one another it's the times you have together where mom and dad can check on how the kids day went today and what they've been doing you don't let your kids be missing from the dinner table you understand everybody gathers together and we fellowship around What we are going to do as a family, how we're going to go forward as a family, what are God's goals for us as a family, all of those things are discussed around the covenant table. And so many of us have been settling for the crumbs off the master's table because we've only been interested in the material aspect of the covenant because that's all that's ever presented to us. See, it's, it's very, very detached when you say something like, sow your seed into my ministry, and God told me He's gonna bless you tenfold, sevenfold, this fold, that fold, and that fold. Well, you miss the whole idea of covenant because you don't get the counsel, you don't get the relationship, You don't get the fellowship. You don't get the wisdom. You don't get the family connection. You don't get any of that. All you're doing is sowing because you're so desperate for money that you don't even know God and know God loves you. And what you're expecting to get from them is a mere pittance compared to what God would give you if you had real relationship with him. If you got to know the father that 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 that. saved you and redeemed you and birthed you by his spirit if you got a chance to know him see if you're in a family you know for a fact like i know for a fact i said listen i'll never starve to death because i got pastor shirley i got all her kids i got uh, ain't do because i ain't gonna eat over there but you know <laughs> love you ain't do you know we ain't gonna do it don't no, do it huh and all i say is somebody better feed me you understand what I'm saying? Because when you're family and you know you're loved and you know you have a place, you don't ever doubt that you, you, you know, you don't sweat it. You say, if the day ever comes where I lost everything, I'll go and move my stuff and so, so-and-so's so garage and we'll just live over there. You understand what I'm saying? Till they kick me out. And when they kick me out, I'll cry like a baby and make them take me back. You know, I say, what do I do? I'm going to straighten up. I, I got to stay here. You understand? So when you have relationships. With the Father. And you have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. They can't tell you what to sow, when, and how to get something because you already know you got it. You already know you have it. So you don't need gimmicks and tricks and see if you can trick God out of something. And see if you can, uh, you know, before God knows who it is asking for it, you got your money. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) We don't we don't have to do that. We have a confidence. You are confident in this very thing. Yeah. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. You're confident. Why? Because you've been sitting at the head of the table. You don't you're not sitting out there getting the crumbs and just begging for crumbs. You have a relationship with God. You know you have covenant relationship with God. You know that you're close to him and he's close to you. Because you, you've met him in the secret place. Where some of the people who are out begging for money, they, they don't know him like you do. Don't assume because somebody's up on television, they know God. They know how to get you to get, give them something, but they may not know God. Pull on people's insecurities. You understand what I'm saying? People are too insecure to go to a church on a regular basis, get to know people, you know, have your ups and downs and days you get discouraged. No, I'm not going back there no more. But you go back anyway because you ain't got no place else to go. You understand what I'm saying? You ain't fooling nobody. You're just in a mood and a fit you know when you get over it you out of your mood and you're fit and, and so you go on back and you learn how to build relationships in the house of God and so there's some people that never learn that but they climb up the ladder they know how to get money from people they know how to get a message together that they stole from some other preacher that didn't know what he was talking about huh and they get on television and they you know start pulling for money they going to have to if they going to stay out there And they tap into the insecurities of people who are not connected or committed enough to God to keep going back so that they can be knit into a local assembly and be a functioning part of the body of Christ. They just don't know how to do that. And so many times we'll find that people are um, have sold themselves short because of what they've been exposed to. They don't know how to. Go to God as their father, expecting, not wondering, not guessing. See the people who do the, the emergency seed for they don't they don't have a knowing about God. Amen. Well, you know I had a bad relationship with whether well, he ain't like he, he ain't your natural father. Amen. See, this is all designed so you can get to know what a real father. Yeah. A real father's life. Some people have really good fathers. When they as good as they are, they ain't nothing like God. Come on now so we've all got to get to know him we've all got to have relationship we've all got to to work this thing out with god but when god invites you in and he says come and sit down and sup with me come and dine with me what he's inviting you in for and you know and what people most people want to say is i ain't hungry no thank you huh? he's not inviting you just for food Come on in fellowship. You Sup God. with him. Yeah. Sit down. Get to know what you. That's your seat. I reserve that seat. That's my seat. Yeah. Come on. This is, we got this one for you. This for yeah. Your permanent seat. Yeah. Right here in the throne room. Yeah. Fellowship yeah. with me. Yeah. Got me? Yeah. 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 And so God has a place for all of his children at the table. But many of us have refused our rightful place. See? Yeah. Listening to somebody else that don't know they have a place at the Father's table. Huh? So they invite you on a lower level to eat crumbs with them. It's like the Syrophoenician woman. She said, Well, you know, I know I'm a dog, but the dogs get the crumbs off the Father's table. Huh? Well, she didn't have a covenant with God. We have a covenant. What you doing down there? That ain't for you down there. Your place is up here at the table where you can look at father face to face. You look into the glorious face of Jesus Christ and you see some similarities. You say, Lord, I kind of look like you. I like I like praying for the sick, too. I like preaching too. I like sharing the good news too. You like that, I like that. See? We we look alike in that respect. So you finally find your the image whose whose image you are made in. And you should be the type of person that doesn't want to leave. Hmm? You finally found home. All, right. All the people who think you're too extreme. All the people who think you should be doing something else on Saturday. Well, you mean you can't never not. You got to go every Saturday. I I, I shop on Saturday. Huh? Huh? I shop Monday through Friday. I shop anytime I want to. I shop 24 hours a day. I'll go rushing up in somebody's (laughs) store somewhere and take a day off from God to go shopping. I just... (laughs) <laughs> Too much. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? It's, <laughs> you know, the things that we will hold up against relationship with God is, is amazing. You know, we should be ashamed of ourselves sometimes. Got to do this. You don't got to do nothing. Well, fellowship is what he wants. He wants us at our proper place at the Father's table. He wants you up there where he can see you. You can see him. When you shared a covenant meal with somebody, what, what that meal meant was that you were equal with that person. And see, people don't like that when they're oh, equal with God. Well, because he's made you, you've got imputed righteousness. I mean, what does that mean? huh? See, for a lot of people, that's a word. you got to know the meaning of the word. Was that righteousness is imputed to you? That means that you have the same thing in you that Jesus has, and so you're in, you're seated with Him, with Him, not by yourself ahead of Him, but with Him. Everything is with Him and in Him. He paid for you to be there. So who are you to refuse it? Huh? wasn't your idea anyway. It was his idea. All you wanted was help. And you got eternal life. So I would say God did you 20 times better than you ever thought you. Huh? Come and dine with me. It's more than. It's not just a happy meal, y'all. It's not let's just a dollar bag of fries or something. I don't even know you can get a bag of fries for a dollar anymore but (laughs) let's look what he says is let's look eyeball to eyeball. You and me we're across the table from one another. And we can share things. You've got problems. I know you do. There's some things in your life you think you'll never get over. But I have the answer for you. Come dine with me. When we spend time with God like that, we'll find these things out. But see, we're so busy trying to get a quickie fix, somebody else's halfway revelation that they don't have all the way straight. And we wind up with crumbs. We abandon our seat at the father's table and come and go down on the floor and get the crumbs because we don't want to sit there and engage him eye to eye. Well, just understand. Understand. Just get a, a, a chance, give yourself a chance to get to know him a little bit. Go go open your Bible up and say, God, I want to share a meal with you. I want to share counsel with you. I want to sup with you. I want my covenant with you to be established. I want to know my obedience that you're expecting out of me today. You know, not don't cuss, don't smoke, don't well, don't do that. But that ain't what we're talking about obedience is not the don'ts it's the do's huh what does he expect from us on a daily basis of course when you obey god of course you avoid sin you understand what i'm saying especially if your heart's right and your heart's in it and your heart is full of love for him and your heart is to obey him but god is more interested in your do's than your don'ts huh you do the do's you won't do the don'ts huh So this is not an avoidance covenant. This is an an active, alive covenant where we purposely set out to do the will of God. It can't be an accidental thing. It's got to be a purposeful thing. So on purpose, you get up every day expecting to do something that God wants you to do today. Anticipating to do the will of God. God, you know my day I got to go to work I got to do this, but what do you want me to, what do you want me to do while I'm there? what do you what do you expect of me and on purpose and see if you're going to get get to that level or get to that place where daily you want to do you've got to have some time with him you've got to get in the word, get counsel from him, get understanding from him and quit faking it. You know, we don't want no fake brides. Huh? The real thing. The fake bride will never be on time with anything. She'll be too long at the hairdresser, too long getting her nails done, you know. Got to get them redone. I don't like this color they put on me. All that kind of stuff. Just concerned with the outer appearance of things and the trappings and not relationship got to get to know the one for whom your heart longs Amen. Hmm. you know the lord told me something he said he said you know people like the holy spirit but they're scared of me he said there's a difference he said i'm different than the holy spirit is he said people like to feel when you get in worship, everybody likes that little warm feeling, and you know, you get a little quickening here and there. He said, but they don't like me because they have to meet me in the Word. Amen. Amen. He said, when you get together with me in the Word, he said, you come out different. Amen. He said, you can feel the Holy Spirit every day of your life and never change. He said, you're transformed by the renewing of your mind. you got to accept what I say about you in the word. you got to accept what this word points out to you. you got to accept what's there in the word. He said, you'll be changed. You'll be different. He said, but if all you think I am is a feel in the atmosphere and you can jump around and get happy. He said, that's all there is to it. He said, you'll never get to know who I am. He said, but most people are afraid of me. They don't spend enough time with me. He said, and then when you spend time in the word, you have to come apart with me to counsel with me so I can give you understanding of what you just think you understood. Uh, We spend more time chasing down people than we do God. Huh? Huh? We do. He said, but that's going to change. He said, my bride is going to pant after me. He said, you're going to get in the place where you want water so bad. Huh? Nothing that this earth has for you is going to satisfy you anymore. Huh? Nothing. He said, you're going to quit chasing things. You're going to quit chasing people. You're going to ch- quit chasing cars and money and Mm -hmm. They're going to quit chasing everything. He said, because none of that's going to satisfy. They're going to hunger after me. He said, the the last move, the last uh, revelation of prosperity proved to people that they're not called to be millionaires. What that means is, if anybody's still thinking that way, quit it that thought has just been rebuked in jesus name if god if that wasn't on your plate if that if that millionaire status did not have your name on it for real it was never of god that was never what he wanted you to have i'm just being honest with y'all i see people who have such treasure inside of them and they're going after carnal things like that. that's all there is in, in the world. And I'm thinking to myself, what is wrong with Christians? You know, people have abilities in them and a heart in them. That could could change a whole city of people if they ever got loose the way God wanted. And they're stuck in a prophecy somewhere that said they were supposed to have a million dollars by a certain. You understand what I'm saying? Chasing the wrong thing. But see, that stuff will stop once you get to know the Lord. Once you once he drives that nonsense out of you. And get something of real value starts to develop the treasure that's in the earthen vessel, instead of putting more carnality in in our souls and more disappointment for things that we never got that we were never appointed to get anyway. You can't be disappointed if you never had an appointment with something, huh? All you can say is, "Oops, I did it again. I was mistaken." Huh? I did not have an appointment with that million dollar business. But we're going to settle in and start to get to know the one for whom our heart longs. Every human heart longs for God. We're just afraid to pursue it. Huh? Well, we ain't scared to pursue somebody that we see yeah, that's, true. that's you know nice looking huh look at Miss Ingrid grinning at me she big, broke out of the big grin I know y'all watch Empire everybody like Terrence Howard He purdy, Barb. Well, he purdy. I know he purdy. Well, how do you get Cookie stuck doing 17 years? Yeah, that brother ain't no good, y'all. I don't care how purdy he is. That brother, don't get hooked up with him. That brother ain't no good, man. He's sitting up there in the lap of luxury and Cookie over there doing um, Orange is the New Black. You know what I'm saying? She doing a double... Double duty role. <laughs> That's more, as much as I know about him. So I don't know what it's about. But we pursue earthly things far more intensely than we do the things of God. And the things of God are guaranteed to us. You have a covenant that says you going to get it. He says if you hunger and thirst for righteousness, oh yeah, you will be filled. There's no way that's going to go unfilled in your life. And see, if you hunger for the real things and the power of God, God will begin to trust you with earthly riches. He won't have no problem out of you. No problem whatsoever. And so when God decides to to move and draw us, he is drawing us to a status where we are fit to be joined to him. We are capable just like he is. We are righteous just like he is. We are honored just like he is. We are fought just like he is. We are dishonored just like he is. But we will reign victorious in him. And it's worth it. For that reason, it's worth it. So our Amos 9.13 season comes because we are the bride of Christ. This is the adornment that comes when we know God and God knows us and we trust him and we're willing to spend time with him. Got to be willing to spend time. So he says these words, I'm bringing you into your Amos 9.13 season. So everybody underline your and put my, said my Amos 9.13 season. These words couldn't have been more pronounced had I heard them audibly spoken. Hearing them in my spirit, I was awakened early in the morning and immediately reached for my Bible. I had no idea what was written in Amos 9.13. Still drowsy with bleary eyes, I began to read, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that the plowman shall overtake the reaper and the treader of grapes, him that soweth seed, and the mountains shall drop sweet wine, and all the hills shall melt. Amos 9.13. After reading the passage from the Old Testament, I said aloud, thanks, I suppose. Then I placed the Bible aside, fluffed my pillow, and tried to return to sleep. However, and this is something about revelation from God. When revelation from God comes inside your spirit, it begins to churn and wash and cleanse and work its way down into your heart in such a way that it stirs you to a new level of life. It must work that. It's got to get in there and stir you to a new level of life. It's not something that you can just put down, it read it, you got a little quick and then well oh, that was for me today, I need that today, and you go on your merry way. When it's it's life changing and it's opening up a, a new season in God's kingdom for his people, it will affect you in such a way that it keeps you keep coming back to it and you keep coming back to it and you keep wanting to get more and you keep being drawn back into it because God is a foundational principle now being laid down in your life. So this will be a new foundation of how to expect God to respond to your obedience down here on the earth. Obedience is always your token that you give to God for blessing your life. That's always in the game. You cannot have Just automatic something come to you out of nowhere. The seed and the faith have to originate in your heart and your life because your heart is what draws you to God. Your spirit is what draws everything to you. Your soul can go along with it or your soul can fight it. So you can, can renew your mind to understand it so that it doesn't hinder you from receiving what God has for you. Your mind can just just give it a pass, won't fight it anymore. So I believe that I'm going to accept that in the past. We've had God tell us wonderful things were going to happen. And in your mind will go. Blah, put no life to it, it put a damper on it, doubt will just shut it down and shut it off and not let it work in you the way the word is supposed to work in you. So what he said was, he said, those words would not leave me. As a matter of fact, they continued to rush into my spirit until I was compelled to make my way downstairs into the study. Once there, I looked toward my bookshelves and re- reached for the Message Bible. And that's uh, Kelly Cruz's favorite translation of this scripture. I've often gained insight and inspiration from from this interpretation of God's word and wanted to see how it read. And this is what he saw. It said, yes, indeed, it won't be long now. (laughs) It won't be long now. God's decree. Things are going to happen so fast your head will swim. One thing fast on the heels of another, another and on another and on another and on another and on another. He says, you won't be able to keep up. Everything will be happening at once. And everywhere you look, blessings. Blessings like wine pouring off the mountains and hills. As I absorbed that Old Testament passage, I became aware that the Holy Spirit was leading me into a redefined paradigm of living. Accentuated by three promises I heard spoken into my spirit. I will exceed all you expect. Ephesians 3.20. I will increase all you invest. And that's all over the Bible. I will accelerate time to accomplish my kingdom purpose through your life. My kingdom purpose through you. My kingdom purpose through you. Seek ye first the kingdom. Kingdom always comes first, folks. What's good for the kingdom of God must be for it cannot be a selfish. That's been what's wrong with with most of our teaching has always been feeding the flesh and feeding self and putting self first. If you teach prosperity without teaching obedience to God's kingdom and what that means, you're teaching people the wrong way. You're just feeding a lot of uh, carnality that's in people and feeding their carnal soul. He said, what I felt then was beyond mere emotional fervor. I experienced a faith resurrection. So this is something you have to have in order to to, to know this is working for you. Your faith must leap into this and your faith must be connected to it. You can't just leave it out there and wonder if it's for you. You've got to meditate on this to the point where your, your faith is activated into it. And you expect and you believe it. You can't just leave it out there and say, well, God's going to do it and you don't have to do anything. He said, suddenly I was moved into a zone of remarkable trust and confidence in God. That's part of faith. Faith is trust. Faith is confidence. It is assurance. See, when we talk about faith, we talk about just saying words. I mean, really, it's it's pathetic. Faith is confidence and trust. Faith means that you trust Jesus. You trust him. You trust that if he tells you to jump through that window and there's glass there, by the time you get through there, glass won't hurt you. How can you trust him if you don't know him? How can you know him if you don't spend time with him? How can you spend time with him outside of his word? You can't. You'll be like a yoga person just sitting there meditating on nothing. Pick your Bible up and find out who he is. It says, I had not experienced that level of miracle faith in quite some time, even though throughout my ministry, I have seen miraculous blessings in every realm of living. Often as a young evangelist, I spend hours each day in prayer in churches where I conducted revivals. Fasting was a lifestyle. As a result, I witnessed a continual flow of favor and manifested blessings of the Holy Spirit. In the more recent years of denominational administration, I fought against becoming layered with dependency on policy and practice. My faith in God's sovereignty and abandoned to his infinite ability were treasures I was unwilling to relinquish. Thankfully, I had always found grace that sustained me in the occasional tension between the two, but to say I had, it had not left me a little worn and fatigued would be less than truthful. Now, that's where most of God's people are now. That's why we've got to have the restoration aspect of the last move of God before we can move into the entire blessing of what you've got to get to know Jesus in his word, take, take you apart, come apart with him. He fixed some things in us. Because we're lying to ourselves and we're trying to lie to each other and pretend like we're ready for this. Like, just lay it on me, God. No, there's going to be some activity that's going to have to take place where you're going to have to show your trust in God. Huh? See, most of y'all holding your breath because you don't have a clue what I'm talking about. But you'll find out. Because everybody's going to have their personal Little thing that God is going to help them to overcome so that they can get out of self and get out of worry and get out of fear and get out of feeling insecure and inadequate and under the gun. And why does this happen to me all the time? And how come I have to wait so long for everything? That's going to leave you folks that. That that is not trust right there. And that stuff has to be fixed in us. We got to go into some repair. Before God can put in an anointing. If you could have it already, you'd have it. And we we wouldn't be praying and waiting and begging for it. So we're not ready for it yet. See, everybody's just a little disappointed now. Abus 19 is going to flow like... You need to rejoice. Because you know, and I know, and everybody knows. That we're stressed out. We're stretched to the max. We don't understand a lot of stuff we've been through. We put it on the shelf because we don't really quite get it yet. We want some things from God. We don't understand what the holdup is. We think we've been in faith and probably haven't been in faith, but we don't want to admit we haven't been in faith because then everybody'll know we've been shamming all the time. Amen. Lord, amen. Hallelujah. He knows where we are. He knows where everybody is. He knows where everybody is. He has located everybody. Huh? And he's waiting. He's sitting at the table waiting for us to come and dine with him. So he can break bread and fellowship. Get us to look into his glorious face instead of looking at ourselves and each other and problems and hindrances and unbelief and insecurities and all that kind of stuff and fear and, and and fear of the future and i hope i didn't mess up too bad that god can't fix it from way back there you understand what i'm saying he says his faith in god's sovereignty <laughs> he's a sovereign god you cry out to him, and he'll answer. He'll show up and do whatever needs to be done. Then leading up to my experience that July morning, I was facing a ministry transition with no way of knowing precisely what it might be. The limitations of denominational tenure had caught up with me, and I had no choice but to change course. All these factors made the promises of Amos 913 9, more meaningful. So he was at a point in his ministry career where it was do or die. It was the end of the road for where he was going. And he didn't know if there was more road out there or if it was what was going to happen. And that's a good place to be. Let me tell you why. Because when you have no plans, you have no future, you have nothing out there before you but a blank space and no open road, you must cry out to God and trust him. That will force the trust out of you. So God knows how he's got a time and a place, trust me, fixed for everybody to make that cry to him. And you fall into the everlasting arms. (laughs) it's kind of funny what the lord showed me about that you know where we talk about uh you know falling to the everlasting arms of the lord what he showed me was was uh, in my experience that that i had with the lord recently and and he started a healing work in me which i'm not going to go through it today because i'll do it later but what he showed me was a uh, fighter, a prize fighter in the ring. And let me see, is this, what's this, Noah? Okay, I'm glad you see just a hat. <laughs> and what happens, stand up for a minute, honey. What happens is the fighter is in the ring and his manager's trainers outside the ring. And the fighter is there and, and the fighter is so tired, the manager goes like this. And the fighter falls over into his corner for protection, for healing, for strengthening, for whatever. So, God's already thrown in a towel for us. We've gone as far as we can go carrying junk, doing the best we can. Nobody's in sin. Can we get that straightened out? You in need of help. You're in need of a savior again. You're in need to be made whole. We're finally going to be made whole of everything, of all the fragmentation, all the standing and believing and not receiving and waiting and hoping and longing and wondering if we, if it's too late, wonder if we messed up, wondering all of these things. We're going to be relieved. He's thrown in the towel on that for you. So it's over for that. That's done. And he's going to start to rebuild, restore, and repair. He said that all of his his hopes for going forward in his denomination were gone. He didn't know where he was going. And he had to change course. He said all these factors made the promises of Amon 9.13 more meaningful. Yeah, that's a word we like now. I can cling to that. You mean it's going to get better, God, for real? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You're going to get better, and it's going to get better. See, we're always looking for it to happen. We need to look for us to happen. Hallelujah. Within a week's time from this experience, I was elected to World Missions Ministries for the Church of, Church of God, a Pentecostal denomination in which I've been ordained for nearly 40 years. By the admission of some, this was an unusual election not entirely met with celebration. I was not a missionary with field experience, though well-traveled and connected to some degree. It was well known that my ministry had primarily been stateside. So he didn't really have qualifications like most people in this position would have. That's another thing about the Amos 9:13 season. You just get moved into it by the sovereign move of God. It'll blow people's minds. It'll be a left curve move they weren't expecting. You will just suddenly appear on the scene. He says, accordingly, I had no story of field experience that earned me the right to be selected to such a place. While I had no need for vindication, validation was another issue and I needed it quickly. But in the moment I stood to accept the nomination, ultimately the election, to the position, I heard these words again. This is your Amos 913 season. So you'll be the wild card. You'll be the odd thing. You'll be the uh, thing that nobody expected. Huh? But it'll be God. He said, I had previously scheduled to make the appeal for missions in our general conference. I had discovered upon my election that there was nearly... A quarter of a million dollar deficit. Oh yeah, this is why you get elected. (laughs) No missionary worth of salt would want to have anything to do with that. A deficit of a quarter of a million dollars. For several missionaries were soon to be informed they must return home. It had been determined that the offering would be designated for strengthening this fund. Amazingly, a miracle began to take shape with every passing hour. When you're in that season, everything you're connected to is blessed dramatically. Everything. Everything this man was connected to was blessed exceedingly. He said, for two days, word spread about the need. Pastors and church leaders began to walk up to me with checks in hand ranging from a thousand to twenty thousand dollars. From a thousand to twenty thousand dollars. Nationally known ministries began to call with commitments of up to $50,000 in support of missionaries around the world. By the time I took the stage to present the challenge and receive an offering, I already had $200,000 in my hand. But then something erupted in my spirit and I I watched as over $700,000 was committed to sustaining missionaries on the field. When the final figure was sent to me, I beheld a total through teary eyes. At that moment, I heard the words again. This is your Amos nine thirteen season. God is going to come in and correct things to line up with his word and exceed our expectation of what his word can do. We'll be able to see scriptures come to pass like we have never seen them come to pass before. Why? Because the faith will be there. The favor will be there. The trust will be there. Everything must line up. It's going to be easier for us to trust God. Let me just say that. God has assured me of that. See, when people find out what, what's my responsibility, oh, that's too hard, we say it automatically. See, automatically we push away the blessing of God because we think somehow God's unjust in that he would require too much for us from us. All you're required is to let it happen. Just don't get stupid. You know, don't move too quick. Don't get cute. Just be cool. You you understand what I'm saying? (laughs) Like, (laughs) I used to say that about Princess Diana. I don't know how she messed that up. All your girl had to do was be cool. You know, just go get the dress, go put it on. We know you ain't feeling like a queen, but, you know, you put the dress on often enough and you get out, maybe you will and you'll catch on. You understand what I'm saying? People complicate things. It's too much about them. It's never about who they're called to be and who calls them. He says, by the time I took the stage to present the challenge, receive the offering. Okay, we said that. He said, this is your Amos 913 season. This was the beginning of the most remarkable season I have known in nearly four decades of ministry. Now, this man is no, he's no lightweight either. You know what I'm saying? He, full-time ministry, administration, all highly respected person. He says, with no exaggeration, I've lived a miracle every day for the last year. A miracle every day. That's got to be a different realm of the Holy Spirit. You see what I'm saying? That's got to be a higher realm of anointing and power and presence of God in your life. See, it's got to be the realm of the glory of God. Where everything, the glory realm of God is everything present that's needed for every situation is there right there in the atmosphere. And, and it's, not, it's not something that God takes lightly to bless you with. You understand what I'm saying? There's a training by your spirit and a cooperation with God that you must do in order to step into it. But you can step into it. You step into it. It's for us. If the, the, the church in the book of Acts was able to step into it, we can step into it. See, if it was humanly possible for one age of believers, it's humanly possible for another age of believers. It does not matter. We have the same God. We have the same Jesus. We have the same Holy Spirit. Just like the disciples did with the guy sitting at the gate, beautiful. They walked past that man so many times. Everybody knew him. looked at him he looked at them but one day it was different what was different it was the presence of god on them was different to affect what that man really really needed he didn't need to beg for another quarter another nothing you know he just needed what god knew he needed And the church was in a position to deliver it to him and that's what god wants he wants a church in position to to hear from him and know what humanity needs and deliver it to them. You've got to be able to, to have that trust of God. And you trust him by trusting him with you first. Not your money. Not your, not your goods. Not your time. Not your service. But you. He wants you. He wants to talk to you. He's got things to share with you. He wants to tell you how he feels about you. I was talking to God about something during my season of restoration. I finally admitted to God I was a hot mess. Now, listen, I think I'm all together just like y'all do. You know, I mean, you know, you try to hold together best you can. But once you look into his face, you a hot mess, honey. And you know you're a hot mess. And so... It had been such a long time. I, I generally when I when I do do teachings or sermons or something like that and I get a title and I don't know if it comes from me, it comes from God, and it's kind of an automatic thing. And and the Lord showed me that I could have better fellowship with him if I would stop and talk to him about titles on a sermon. And the way he did it was this I told the Lord, I said, God, I said, you know, I said, You're asking me to share some things with people. I said, And, and I'm a little ashamed. I'm going to just be honest with you. I don't want to talk to people about stuff like this. And he looked, he said, You know what, Barb? He says, You know there's no shame in my righteousness game. Amen. And I thought about it. I said, Wait a minute. Hold it. Cancel Christmas. I said, that's a title from one of my sermons. He said, yeah, I gave it to you. I said, you know, at this point in my life, I don't know if you give them to me, I give them to me where they come from. But, you know, it, it, it made it more real to me that he's working with me, but he wants to know that I know he's working with me. You understand what I'm saying? He wants to be everything to us. He wants to be who he is to us in a real way. So he says it was most the beginning of the most remarkable season he's known for 40 years. He said with no exaggeration, he's lived a miracle every day. Throughout this book, I'll tell you how this season has affected my family, relationships, people, finances, and my faith in relationship with God. More than that, I will tell you about a supernatural wave of favor that is targeted for your life, known as the Amos 9. You know, the more I read this and say that, the more real it gets to me. You understand what I'm saying? So I I strongly suggest you keep meditating on it and embrace it and own it. You know, it's got to be yours. Most of what you are about to experience will be unique to you. Our experiences will be as varied as our unique backgrounds. So, yo Amos nine thirteen, don't go comparing notes with other people. Did you get something new? No, you got it. it's unique to you. During this remarkable and incredible time, number one, God will exceed all you expect. He will increase all you invest. He will accelerate time. Ooh. That's one of our biggest enemies. Am I using it right? Am I wasting it? You look back and you wish you had done more. With that. Come on now. You need time to be your show enough friend. You need it to be your servant now. So he's going to accelerate it to accomplish his kingdom purpose in you. This is not just your personal need, but his kingdom purpose in you. And don't be scared of that. Don't think you're going to be short-changed. When God says kingdom purpose, people get, draw back from it. Don't you dare draw back from this. Because this will be the highest level of living you will ever live in your life. The highest realm. Because you won't be so important. If you know if you're not so important, you won't feel gypped if you don't get what you think you're supposed to get. Well, meditate on that for a while. If it didn't sink in, let work with it. He said, get ready, because this is indeed the Amos 9, season in your life. Amen. All right. So we're going to take our quiz and let God make this real to you. OK. Let him make it real to you. Let him trust you with the you know, you trust him with everything. It's a trust thing, folks. The little bit that he's allowed me to walk in so far, I know it's 100% trust. That's the big factor. Praise God.